Logan, everyone. This is the Red and White Authority, episode number 184. I'm Art Regner, and uh, as always, the Red and White Authority is presented by Labatt Blue. Whether it's winter, spring, summer, or fall, it's always a good time to end your day of hard-earned pay and work with an ice-cold, frothy Labatt Blue. It is the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings, and we do ask that you drink our premium beer responsibly. With all that said, let's bring in our guest, and it is the head coach of the Grand Rapids Griffins, and currently, or I guess maybe officially now that the Prospects Tournament is over, uh, but the also the head coach of the Red Wings Prospects team, Ben Simon, no stranger to the podcast. Ben, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. It's good to Good to be back on. And yes, the uh, the Red Wings prospect tournament is over, so they did send me down. I'm back to Grand Rapids. Oh, there, there you go. All right. Well, you know, you know, actually, a, a successful tournament. Uh, the Red Wings two and one. Uh, the only uh, setback was a uh, Dallas come from behind victory five to four on Saturday when the Wings were playing uh, uh, two games in two days. Uh, Thirteen goals for the team, eight against. Uh, several prospects actually played very, very well. Uh, I'm just uh, curious when you look at it, Ben, this team, as all prospects tournament teams, do not practice much, come together rather quickly. Uh, how impressed were you that uh, it seemed that this group of prospects really did grasp uh, uh, the Red Wing system and performed quite well? Uh, no, it's, uh, it's, I guess it's pretty consistent for every team that goes up there you don't have a lot of time to prepare with regard to systems and stuff like that uh it's really just more principles and how you want to play and, and the characteristics of making smart plays heavy plays with the puck finishing your checks and then you, know, you give them a little bit of structure and then you kind of see how these kids can learn and apply to what we're trying to teach them over the course of the next four or five days i think from the first practice that we had to how they played in the last game, I thought that uh, I thought they did make progress and show signs of, of steady improvement, which is encouraging, which I think shows that these kids, A, are, are willing to learn, they listen, and it tells me they've got pretty good hockey sets. So uh, all in all, a good week. A lot of guys uh, showed well for themselves, and you know, we were happy with, with the effort that they put in. When, when you look at it, Ben, do you do a lot of coaching from behind the bench on the fly during these games? Or is it pretty much hockey is hockey? You kind of let the game come to them and see how they react to certain situations. No, I, I think in situations like that, uh, in quick little small tournaments, if you will, you, you give as much structure as you can because usually the team that plays with, with the most structure usually makes the least amount of mistakes. And the, the least amount of mistakes usually leads to playing better, more controlled hockey. So, uh, you know, the whole game is predicated on mistakes and who capitalizes on those mistakes that are made. So the fewer that you can make by playing with a little bit of structure and, and being a little bit predictable to each other, I think will be beneficial for the entire group. So we do give them, again, it's a lot in a couple of days. And sure, you'll forget some of it or, oh, yeah, I wasn't used to doing this because it hasn't been repetitive. It hasn't been taught. We've had one practice. So... You know, when they do make a mistake, you know, just, hey, remember we talked about that the first day. Oh, yeah, and, and the, it clicks, and then the next time, you know, they don't do it. So you, that's what you're looking for is, you know, you're going to make mistakes. You just try and make sure that you don't continue to make the same mistake. And I think that for the most part, a lot of those uh, prospects, a lot of the kids that were, were here for the, for the camp here were, did a pretty good job of it. Yeah, this isn't to knock any other prospects teams because the Red Wings have had some pretty high-end prospects as of late. And, you know, obviously I go back to the days when, uh, you know, the Red Wings were trading a lot of their draft picks. So the prospects tournament didn't have a whole lot of potential NHL talent. Have you seen the transformation the last couple of years? And I know that you know, obviously COVID has affected all of us, that that the uh, caliber of prospect is a little bit higher end than maybe decades ago, if that makes any sense. No, I, I you know, it, it's funny. Uh, I think that, you know, our player development people, our general managers, they do a pretty good job of identifying players out there. And sometimes there may be, you know, maybe it's the age, maybe it's a group of kids uh, more assigned than not signed. Maybe there's more free agents or more uh, young players that are available. You know, there are a lot of, I think, intangibles that can affect that. But I think this year, I think uh, Dan Cleary and Sean Horkoff did a really good job of 
identifying potential players that they want to see more of and uh, they have interest in. I think that you know those guys came in and did a good job of not only showing Detroit what they can do, but showing the other teams that were here what they can do. But uh, I, I do think that they did a heck of a job of getting uh, the right kids in here, and they had a good week. You know, I, I, I guess what I'm curious about is, is when you sit down, you get this roster. Obviously, as you said, you try to give them as much structure as possible to play. Um, is there more, uh, when you sit down with Red Wing management, do you talk about uh, putting guys in certain situations or let's say a so-and-so player, we'd love to see him, you know, on the power play or again, is it more of an organic thing as the game progresses, whomever is playing well gets the ice time? Yeah. Well, I think it's twofold. I think you do have to earn your ice time, but in, in tournaments like this, it's prospects. It's, it's they're being evaluated they do want to see certain guys in certain situations because this is a telltale sign. Does he get it? Is he getting it? Can he get it? You know, how, how does he look there? You know, for example, Elmer Soderblom didn't kill a ton of penalties last year in Sweden, but you know, a big kid, big, long, rangy guy. We wanted to see him on the kill. Can he get it? You know, it's, and again, it's just a three-game sample size, but you know, he looked like he got settled in and was comfortable on the PK. So maybe that's something we can look to use him. Uh, in Grand Rapids if he ends up in GR there. But, you know, and another, you know, is he better at the net front in the bumper? Is, you know, Drew Roy on the half wall or is he a bumper guy? Is Cross Hannes, where did he play last year in the power play? Well, we might have different guys that might be there. So we may have to try him somewhere else. So let's see where he, you know, can he can he do this? Can he play his offside? Can he play the middle? Can he play different situations? So I, I, I think you, you know, you give kids opportunities and, you know, sometimes, oh, he, he, he kind of struggled there and maybe that doesn't make sense. Or, hey, he looked pretty good there. Let's try him there. So, you know, and these are all hypotheticals if they do come to Jarrah. But I do think Detroit also wants to see these guys uh, in different situations, just see kind of how they either adapt, acclimate, learn, or, okay, that's probably not the best spot. And they learn by, you know, learn by failing. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, you know, Ben, what have we always heard? It's not so much how you react to the success you have. It's how you react to the adversity. And then you kind of get an idea of exactly what kind of player maybe maybe that you have. Although I looking yeah. at this tournament, I did not see a lot of adversity on the ice uh, for the Red Wing prospects. Is, is that a fair assessment? Maybe the Dallas game there towards the end. uh uh, where the Stars prospects uh, uh, staged a bit of a comeback. But overall, uh, this team seemed to react very, very well. No, I, and I think I, I think that's a direct correlation between the competitive nature of, of the group here. I think we had some guys that worked uh, worked hard and, again, smart hockey sense that you know we talked about as the games went on, really working to support the puck and you know making sure that we were supporting away from the puck when you didn't have it and when you did have the puck, supporting it by making smart plays and making heavy plays on the puck and not just throwing pucks away. When you have the puck, hold on to it, make plays, but make calculated smart plays. And I think that, you know, for a short period of time there that we were together, I think they did a good job. You know, Ben, I, I wonder, you know, I always say this, and I know Red Wing fans are going to say, oh, please don't say this again. And, you know, and I've talked ad nauseum to uh, Steve Eiserman, Draper, uh, you know, Danny Cleary, and, uh, you know, Sean Horikoff. But I've always thought that the number one um, skill, if you will, that a, a Red Wing prospect, or if you're going to play for the Detroit Red Wings, has to have is a high hockey IQ. Now, you can say, oh, yeah, every team feels that way, but there does seem to be. Uh, a Red Wing standard that has been here for as long as I've covered the team, which is much longer now than I care to admit, uh, that if you can't think this game or anticipate the game, you're not going to play for Detroit. Uh, do you see a, a, a team out there, and is that why they were able to adapt so well, is because these fellows pretty much are pretty smart hockey players? Well, like I, you know, I mentioned earlier, they, they did have good hockey sense, and you, you, you could see that. Now, is that the number one top priority, number one characteristic of, of a player to have success? You know, that's to each their own. You have your opinion, I have mine. But I, I think, you know, a lot of these guys were, were very good skaters, too. You know, for mm -hmm. the most part, these kids could skate. So I think you do have to – if you can't skate, you can't play the game. So I think that's one big thing as well. But, again, you have to have hockey sense. You have to make sure that you're taking care of the puck, and you have to make sure that you're – predictable not only to your to your coaches but to your teammates so you know that comes down to hockey sense and making smart decisions but 
with that being said, you, you are going to make mistakes. And sometimes that's because they're trying to make plays that are there. And it just sometimes it it's just doesn't happen, which does happen. When you let's look at some of the individual players and uh, let's start with the defense first. Again, only giving up uh, uh, eight goals total in the three uh, three games that the Red Wings prospects played. Five and one game to Dallas is for some reason I keep saying that, but uh, I promise Ben that that'll be the last time I mention it. Uh, but uh, uh, let's go to the big guy. Everybody is really looking forward to seeing him. You know, I've penciled him into Detroit since. Uh, uh, since last September, so you know, but I have a, a tendency to probably overdo it at times. Uh, uh, Simon Edvinson, uh, what did you see out of Simon Edvinson, and what can you tell us about him now that you've had maybe a day to reflect after the tournament uh, about this team? Well, he's he's an elite skater. Uh, that's the first thing for a big guy. He gets around the ice very well. He's very composed. Uh, and he did a, you know, he did a really good. We talked about maybe trying guys in different situations. He didn't play a ton on the power play last year over in Sweden. He, you know, we put him on the top and the point in the power play, and I thought he handled himself pretty well in making smart decisions and and walking the line and, and getting shots through from the point. Uh, you can tell that he's got a he's played against men. He makes smart decisions and he's not afraid to 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 try and make some high end plays. So he's. Uh, Again, he's a young kid. People have to remember he is young, so it's you know sometimes it can take younger players a little bit of time to get acclimated to North American hockey. But he does have a lot of great characteristics that are uh, that are going to help him uh, hopefully acclimate uh, sooner rather than later. Ben, do you have a a talk with uh, with Simon Edvinson? And I know the organization does about staying and playing within your game. You know, obviously he's a kid. Social media is prevalent. Uh, a player that, you know, obviously you coach who has had great success last year in his rookie year, uh, Mo Sider. Uh, I, you know, everyone is just salivating when I say everyone, you know, Red Wing fan base, that guy, you could have, you know, two guys that are, you know, at least six foot four. I know Simon keeps growing. He's now six six. you know, on the blue line in Detroit for many, many years. But do you try to... Keep him. I know he's level-headed, but to let him know, don't compare yourself to anybody. You just go out and do what you do, and everything will be fine. Do you need to have a talk, even with a high-end talent like Simon Edvinson? No, I don't. I don't think you do. And if anything, you just want these kids to to be as comfortable as they can, uh, so that they are playing as best they can. So. Uh, a kid like Simon Edmondson is extremely confident in who he is and what he's going to be. Um, and, and sometimes y you have to tell the kids, just relax, because a lot of this hype and all the social media they just mentioned can really get, get you and put pressure on you. And when you have pressure on you, that's, some guys thrive under that and some guys don't. So don't even worry about what's being said on social media, where you're drafted, what your other people are saying. Go out there and play. And that's what this tournament is for, is to get ready for training camp get your legs underneath you, playing some games, and then hit the ground running for training camp. And I thought that uh, he did a good job with that. Well, you know, we're looking forward to seeing him play with uh, the older guys once they come in a couple days. Well, yeah, that's the one thing that, uh, you know, that, that I'm really interested in to seeing. You know, I, I know at the World Juniors he dealt with fo fo food poisoning and had a little bit of a nagging injury, but I don't know. To me, it just looks like this is a, a, a young man who just cannot wait for Thursday uh, of this week when the when the Red Wing team is out on the ice and then really start to uh, uh, compete for a job in Detroit. I think it'll be interesting. You know, Ben, another question. I know that you, you know, in your illustrious career as a player, uh, I know that you played in Europe and uh, obviously in the same league that most Sider played in. But uh, what I'm curious about is is uh, with with such an influx of European talent on the Detroit Red Wings and you know the way that they've drafted. I I you know truly. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Swedes, Finns, Czechs, you name it. Uh, uh, you know, the Red Wings scour the planet for, for, for hockey talent. But we always hear about the big ice surface. And, you know, adjusting from the big ice surface in Europe to the smaller North American game, we hear that the game's quicker. Guys are on you a lot, you know, sooner than they are in Europe. Uh, you know, it's a little more physical because, you know, the, the North American style might be a little more rugged at times. But what I'm curious about, is it a bigger adjustment 
for a European to make to the small ice surface? Is it more a mental or physical adjustment that they have to make that some guys seem to make a seamless transition where other guys seem to have a difficult point? Does that really not come down to their skill level as much as it comes down to, you know, their mental capability and not letting the smaller ice surface get into their heads? No, well, I, I think it's mental and physical, but it, it absolutely is a is a physical difference. You know, the, there's more space on the outside of the rink. There's more space behind the nets over in Europe. So if you're a defenseman and you're coming over here, you may have a little bit more time to recover if a guy beats you wide. If a guy gets a step on you now, he might be around you quickly and you got to recover. So, uh, and offensively too, you may have more time and space to, to carry the puck a little bit, you know, to, to take, conversely, take a guy wide and see where over here in North America, time and space is taking away a lot quicker just because there there is no there isn't as much space. So it, it is uh, it is a different game, uh, and it does take time to adjust. But you know, with that being said, with the hockey sense going back to hockey sense, the skating ability and the quick ac- uh, assimilation process here, hopefully for these guys because they are smart players, uh, will, will be beneficial. But it is it is absolutely a, a change, and it does take time to, to get used to that whether you're a forward, whether you're defense, and whether you're a goalie. I know it's it's almost impossible to put time on it. Each of us are individuals and different, but, uh, you know, as a coach, when you're behind the bench, do you uh, do you realize there's going to be an adjustment period? So are you a little more patient maybe sometimes with a guy who is still trying not only to acclimate to the North American game, but to North American culture? Well, again, it, it, you have to have patience with a lot of these young kids, regardless if they're European, if they're North American, wherever they're coming from, uh, because they're all kind of going through their first, whether they're, mm-hmm. you know, it's compounded for sure by Europeans. You're coming to a different country. You're going to a different city. You're going to a different coach. You're playing in different rinks, different environments. You're playing in a smaller arena. So there are a lot of things that go into it. And it doesn't matter if you're a Swede, if you're a Czech, if you're a, a Canadian, if you're American, you know, they're all kind of going especially if you're a rookie or a younger guy you're going through this for your first time and it does take some time to to figure out and the guys that usually figure it out quicker are the guys that uh you know are going to be hopefully better served for it when uh let's continue and look you know you know ben i I sometimes go off on a little bit of tangents but i really did want to ask you that question because obviously uh, uh, the Griffins, any way you look at it, uh, there's going to be a lot of interest in the Griffins, as there always is, really. Uh, but uh, uh, simply because it looks like this team is going to be stacked with Red Wing prospects. But uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Let's go to another player who I thought played really well. Did not play, I believe, in the last game uh, against Toronto on Monday. Uh, that is uh, Albert Johansson, whom... Uh, you know, I, I have heard, you know, through the scuttlebutt, uh, you know, what I do is, you know, I'm, I'm constantly talking about uh, the Red Wings every single day and networking and talking to all kinds of people. But Albert Johansson is one of these guys that has been labeled maybe a dark horse candidate to actually make Detroit kind of come out of nowhere. What do you think of Albert's game? And was he set out yesterday just because there were other players that you wanted to look at? Well, that, you know, we, we talk after every game with, with Sean Horkoff, Steve Eiserman, Dan Cleary, and sometimes guys just, they want to see other guys in other opportunities. So Albert, uh, long story short there, Albert's completely healthy. He's going to be ready for day one of training camp. Oh, good. And uh, I, I think that he had a, he had a, a again, he, in the two games that he played, he showed that he's got really good composure with the puck. He's He made some really nice small area plays in, in the first game, especially in the D zone. Um, and really kind of kept things simple. But, I, you know, and then he uh, quarterbacked the second power play unit both games. I thought did a really good job of uh, making smart plays and, and good reads with the puck. So uh, dark horse candidate, uh, I, <laughs> we've heard a lot about him as well. You know, he's not really a dark horse, but, right. uh, you know, he's a younger guy that, again, younger guy that has played in a men's league the last few years here. So uh, you can tell that he's played against bigger, stronger guys, and you can you could see that reflected in this past two, three games or this tournament because uh, just because of the maturity in his game, I think that's the best way to put it. He's pretty mature for for a younger kid. Yeah, but another defenseman I wanted to ask you about, another European, and this is a a fella that you know. Again, I've I've told Red Wing management I I either read tremendous scouting reports about him or 
Sky reports where they might be a little bit disappointed in his play, although I, I think he's acquitted himself quite well, um, is Emil Vero. Uh, Vero seemed to have a pretty good tournament in his own right. Uh, what can you say about Emil, who will be, uh, I would assume, a, a Griffin this year? Uh, first thing you notice about Emil is his competitive nature. He is... Uh, not afraid to, to get his nose dirty. He likes to be first on pucks. He takes hits to make plays. Uh, he will initiate contact. He is pretty sound away from the puck. And, you know, he made some pretty good plays with the puck as well. Uh, scored that last game, I believe. And uh, he's got a bright future. Again, you know, he, he's a third-round pick that has, uh, again, played in men's leagues over in Finland. And Finland's a, Finland's a hard league as well. You know, it's a little right. bit more physical than some of the other European leagues. So I think that he will, uh, he'll get used to, I mean, he will be used to the, the physicality that kind of comes with the North American hockey and, and uh, playing in the American League should he end up in Grand Rapids. But uh, he's got a little bit of a, a little bit of a snarl to him. He's not the biggest guy, but again, he, he, he goes into battles and whether he wins those battles or not against bigger, older guys that we'll see, here in the next little bit, you know, time will tell, but, you know, you can't fault the kid for his effort and, and his compete and his want. So, you know, those are characteristics. And when you see a kid that is competitive and really wants it, you know, those that that's a good quality to have. Well, yeah, my, I, I want to go now to uh, to a couple of guys that I know that you're uh, that you're familiar with. But be, but, but, but before we do that, uh, you know, I, I want to ask you about Jeremy Biakabatuka. Obviously, uh, Bianca Batuka is a name, if you're a University of Michigan football fan or an alum like I am, uh, you know, his uncle, Tim Bianca Batuka, rushed for 313 yards and single-handedly, I don't know, 94, 95, beat the Ohio, 95, I guess it was, beat the Ohio State Buckeyes. So his name just jumped out because I'm familiar with, with his uncle, Tim. But Jeremy Bianca Batuka, a late addition, uh, be, was, I believe, a plus four, had a couple of uh, uh, some assists in, in this tournament. I, I, I mean, really, did he make the most of his opportunity? And do you think maybe he might even be on the radar? Well, again, Jeremy came in late edition. When I saw the name, Bianca Batuka, I, I went to Notre Dame, and I remember him when he played for Michigan. He ran over Notre Dame, too. So, <laughs> I thought, oh, my God, that's, that's not a common name. So you, you immediately think, okay, this guy's probably going to be big, physical, uh, can handle himself, uh, and you know he he's a big kid, six uh, four, pushing six five maybe, uh, heavy. He played physical, um, blocked some big shots for us, and he skates pretty well for a big guy. So I, I think he did a really good job, and we played him all three games. We wanted to see him play, so he did a really good job of making the most of opportunities. And uh, you know I'm not gonna we have we have talked to you know behind the scenes here about him and his performance and. You know, whether that leads to anything in, in the immediate future, uh, time will tell. But I think he did a really good job of, of making people talk in a positive manner about him and how he played. Right. You know, I always like to watch, uh, uh, you, know, you know, kids that, that are invitees and, and trying to make the best of a situation. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I really did think, and I'm not saying this because he's Tim Biakabatuka's nephew, everybody, okay? Uh, but, but you know, I, I really thought he did acquit himself uh, uh uh, uh, very, very well. Uh, another Red Wing draft choice who was a fifth rounder in, in 2021, uh, Oscar Plandowski. Uh, I guess if you're not saying his name much during the course of a game, and I watched all the streams uh, uh, of all three Red Wing games, um, you know, I guess Oscar played pretty well. I, I, I mean, I, I, I thought that I'm not sure what a player like Oscar Plandowski really has to do, except maybe be steady. Did you think that he was a pretty steady presence out on the blue line? I thought he had a, yeah. I, I don't think you're going to see flash or any anything crazy one way or the other with him. And I think Oscar, his projection, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but when you sometimes when you blend in and you aren't noticed for any great things or any bad things that's not a bad thing to do I thought that he was pretty consistent in uh, in the games that he played and uh, didn't make too many mistakes so you know all in all you can't really critique a lot of these guys and because right. they are young and and they they all played pretty consistently so uh, again Oscar's another guy we, we only had three right shot defensemen and one of the games we we tried a few guys on their offsides but uh, 
he I, playing with different players and different combinations. I think that he adjusted well and, and he, he was he was just fine. I thought he had a pretty solid camp. You know, I I, I, we, I know I'm going through the list here, and I really do hate to do this because I'm sure there's always somebody that I neglect and uh, uh, to, to talk about. But a guy that I've always liked since I met him at uh, uh, his first development camp, who seems to be a realist and has had some injury issues, is Seth Barton. Uh, he's the first to admit, I, I love when I first met him, he goes, look, you know, I'm not making the Red Wings tomorrow. I'm a little bit of a project. I'm three, four years down the road, but I'm going to do everything to make it. I, I actually thought that, you know, uh, Seth Barton's a guy, I've, you know, I openly admit it, I root for, uh, just because I like him so much as uh, a, as a person. But uh, I know Seth played a little bit uh, uh, last year for the Griffins as well, but he has had some injury issues here. Um, what about Seth and his play? Well, Seth, biggest thing for Seth, he's, he's got to get some games underneath his belt and get some traction. Right. He's another, again, another big body that can skate. Uh, I thought his first game, he and again, he hasn't played hockey in a while, but uh, and a lot of these kids haven't in the summer, but just in terms of overall the last few years, he hasn't just because he has had some uh, issue, uh, injury issues. But uh, I thought the first game, he looked a little bit tired, but I, uh, he did not play the first game, but then the second game, you know, it was his first game. He, he looked a little bit tired towards the end, but I thought the last game he played, uh, I thought he played fantastic. So for Seth, it's about getting some traction here, playing 20, 30 games in a row at a time here and, and trying to find his identity and what type of player he is. So again, he's, he's a rangy body. He's got a good stick defensively. Uh, he really made the first period of uh, last game, made a really nice breakout pass, backhand, cross ice through the middle, which... You know, as a coach, I go, oh, great play, and it worked out. And uh, just he's, he's, he looks confident, and he looks healthy coming to camp here. So that's the biggest thing is making sure, and you can tell that he had a good summer in the weight room to put himself in a situation where hopefully knock on wood, he, uh, he can stay healthy. Uh, another player that I know that you absolutely like, and because of the way uh, COVID played itself out, he was allowed to be on an AHL roster when the OHL shut down. He was a, a Kitchener Ranger, and that's Donovan Sobrango. I remember talking to you at the time where, uh, you know, jokingly you said, God, I don't know if the OHL doesn't come back. I, I, I might be kind of happy about that because Sobrango has really taken this opportunity. I mean, Sobrango seems to be a guy, just won a, a gold medal in the World Juniors, just concluded in Edmonton. Uh, for Team Canada. Uh, here's a young man who really has made the most of his opportunity, uh, but seems to be a good, steady presence on the blue line. What can you tell us about Donovan and his development? Well, I, I think Donovan was both a beneficiary and kind of a victim of, of that COVID year when the, when the OHL shut down. So the fact that he was able to play in the American League, I think was fantastic. He had a really good first year, learned a lot, was very competitive every time he was on the ice. But with that being said, I think the AHL that year was a little bit watered down because there was a taxi squad. Teams weren't as deep. There were a lot of younger kids kind of, of his, in his situation that were playing in the American League. Uh, so then last year, the second year, all of a sudden the American League's back to really what the American League is. And you had a lot of better players more consistently throughout other teams and the competition that we faced. And he struggled at times to, to adjust. But again, I think Donnie, one of his biggest attributes is his work ethic and his competitiveness. And there's not a lot of guys that are going to put in more time off the ice, on the ice th than he does. And with that work ethic and the passion that he has for the game and, and the belief that he has in himself, I, I think that, you know, he's not going to let anyone tell him no. So he's got to make sure that he's staying positive, not being too hard on himself. And, uh, making sure that he's focused on the positives because he does do a lot of good things and not uh, not get too uh, too negative at times. And I, I do think that comes again. He's, he's young as well. He's an O2, so that's going to come with maturity and, and going through situations and having success and having failures. So, again, he'll be technically a third-year pro, and uh, this will be a second full year if he is in Grand Rapids as a, as a pro. So at the American League level. So he's got to make sure that he's playing like a second-year pro and, and learning that, you know, okay, those rookie mistakes or that acclimation period's over, come in here, steal a job. There's going to be a lot of competition between all the guys you just mentioned, and it's going to be it's going to be fun to make some hard decisions. 
You know, I, I, another player that was not on this year's prospects uh, tournament team, but was on last year's and took a nasty spill into the board. So it just seemed that that injury bug uh, just followed him for the last couple of seasons. And I don't think he's a forgotten man. I think he's very, he's very well aware in the minds of Red Wing fans. But that is Jared McIsaac, who finally, thank heaven, played a complete season last year. And really, I thought acquitted himself well. I mean, Jared McIsaac is still in this uh, blue line mix. Absolutely. I mean, he, he was not a prospect camp because I don't know what the qualifications are or not. But, I mean, he, he played a lot of hockey for us. And credit to him, he had two two major, major injuries. And he worked extremely hard, put the time in uh, with our strength and conditioning staff, both in Detroit and Grand Rapids. Those guys did a phenomenal job of getting him back, uh, keeping it positive. And, and Jared came back and quietly went about his business. And he finished ninth amongst all rookie AHL defensemen in scoring. So he did a lot of good things last year uh, on the power play, made great decisions uh, for the majority of the time that he was on the power play and was learning and, and really improved on the penalty kill. So, again, his real first full pro He's going to be another guy. Take that next step your second year. You know, he had a really successful first year and continue to build off that and continue to get better every day and compete for ice time in Grand Rapids or Detroit, wherever that may be. Uh, looking now at, at goaltenders, uh, uh, let, let's start with uh, Jan Bednash, um, who, it, it, but Bednash, and I know I get this all the time, his name is Bednash, but he goes by Bednar, so I'm going to call him uh John me. I didn't want to correct you on your own pockets. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I mean, yeah. believe me, you know, yeah. I hear it all the time. It's like, hey, no, his name is Bednash. And I, I think in the World Juniors, they actually were referring to him as Bednash. But he goes by Bednar. And so uh, Jan Bednar, whom, I, I, again, I, I, I like, he said, you know, I'm not sure uh, if I'm in the Red Wings plans or not, well, it looks like he might be playing himself into the Red Wings pa- plans. And, you know, Ben, I know you're not maybe a goaltending aficionado. You leave that to uh, um, uh, other people that are hired to do that for the Red Wings. However, uh, your opinion of Jan? I thought he played extremely well. He looks he looks big. I mean, obviously he is physically big, but he plays big. He's got a presence to him. And I thought he did a, a really good job keeping the puck out of the net. And, you know, he played, uh, I'm not sure exactly how many periods he played. I think he played two halves, right? Um, right, right. But, again, he, he he plays with a little bit of confidence. He looks big. He plays big. And he's competitive as well. So, you know, if there was a second chance or, or a tertiary chance, a secondary opportunity around the net, he didn't quit on pucks, and it looked like he fought through traffic pretty well. Yeah, I thought I, I thought he played very very well. Now another player that you know that I know pretty well. I'll be honest with you. I interviewed him the night the Red Wings drafted him, uh, and have had a, a a bit of a relationship throughout. Uh, you know his uh, his last year uh, in junior for Edmonton, uh, a player that does not lack confidence uh, and is a very gregarious and outgoing player. Uh, that of course is Sebastian Kosa. Uh, I thought that this was a really big prospects tournament for him because unfortunately, and he'll admit this, that maybe at development camps and prospect tournament last year, he wasn't at his best. I think he really, especially in the Toronto game where he made 16 saves on 16 shot attempts, that Kosa has finally maybe settled down in his reach, not a comfort level, but kind of is beginning to understand the process that he is going through right now. Well, again, I, I don't know Sebastian very well, but again, he's another guy. He looked big this week and he played big. He played uh, competitive. I, I thought one of the things that I mentioned the other day was, and I talked to our goalie guys, uh, I felt like he was confident coming out to play the puck. I didn't realize that he was that confident, uh, whether he made great plays with the puck and I, I I thought that he did a good job of coming out and playing pucks um very competitive kid uh he when people talk about he's a confident kid gregarious kid I I, I want people to understand that, that that there's there's a confusion sometimes between confident and cocky and I do not think that he is a cocky kid at all I think that he's confident in who he is how he has to work and he's excited to to hopefully be afforded the opportunity uh, whether that's this year, next year, 10 years, 
I, I think that he's just excited to try and prove like any young, he's young and hungry. So I think that that's a, that's a great quality. And I, I think that he showed well for himself in rookie camp. But again, these are 19, 20, 20 year old first year pros and some of them are older first year pros, but you know, how does he look against bigger, stronger men? Maybe it's a little faster shots are a little bit harder. You know, we'll see in the next few days here, but uh, again, he, he's obviously got a tremendous amount of talent and we're looking forward to see how that translates uh, in the next little bit, whether that's in the next couple of weeks, in the next year, two years, you know, every kid has, has their own path and uh, you know, his is going to be no different. His path is going to be carved by, by his play and the opportunities that are given to him. And he's got an exciting future ahead of him. Well, it, you know, I, I think you're absolutely right. He is confident, but he isn't cocky. And uh, the thing that I like about him, the Red Wings now have to make a decision. He can go back to Edmonton, uh, uh, at this point, although, you know, I keep saying if Ed, if he goes back to Edmonton, they're probably going to end up trading him, but that's just me. Uh, but he could go back to junior for another year, or he could quite possibly, and I think he stated it, he might have even stated it to you, Ben, he wants to be your goaltender. He wants to be playing in the AHL for the Grand Rapids Griffins. Now, there is this, and I've gone back and forth with various media members uh, about this, that there is a precedent where maybe most 19-year-old goaltenders do go back to junior, although Sebastian kind of uh, uh, downplayed that yesterday when he talked to the media and said, well, Spencer Knight, and you know, he named a, a couple of young goaltenders who have been able to make the transition uh, at, at a younger age. You're a coach in the AHL, you've played in the AHL. Uh, I, I'm kind of curious, can a 19-year-old goaltender um, Although it is not highly likely a lot of times, a lot of 19-year-olds who are playing in the league now, when they were 19, were sent back to their junior clubs. Where do you fall on this, Ben? Do you, do you see, yeah, hey, if Sebastian Coast is the best guy, and I don't care if he's 19 or 10, uh, I'll put him in net. Age to me doesn't matter. For, for me, you want the, the best thing, for the team, but you also want the best thing for the players short-term and long-term. And I think that Detroit has thought about this. They do have a plan. Uh, what that plan is, uh, you know, it'll sort itself out here in the next couple of weeks. You know, a lot can happen between now and opening day in, in Detroit. A lot can happen between now and opening day in Grand Rapids. So, uh, you know, all you can do as, as a player is show up every day, compete, try and get a little bit better every day, and see what kind of opportunities afforded to you. And there is a plan that goes into it. I think that Detroit does have that plan, uh, but plans can change. So uh, I, I think that it's going to be interesting. The future, he's got a bright future. Uh, you know, it's just sometimes you have to be patient. And that sometimes it's patient from a management side, from a coach's side with the player. And sometimes it's the, the player has to be patient with, you know, the, the fastest way, the quickest way isn't always the best way. So... Uh, you know, we'll see what happens in the next little bit. But again, I, I think that uh, the goaltending this weekend was great. Right. And, and, let, and let's give a nice shout out to Andrew Oak, too, a free agent invitee from Saginaw. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I thought again, let, let's put it this way, Ben. I don't know if you would agree with this, but goaltending was not an issue during this prospects tournament for the Red Wings. No, no, no. It was. You know, I, I thought that a couple of goals that uh, Andrew let in. It was. You know, there were a couple of screens, a couple kind of quirky bounces. But I, I thought Andrew served himself well. Came in. And he worked hard in the practices uh, in the goalie sessions that he had. And uh, you know, as a player, as a kid, he, he seemed very grateful for the opportunity to be around the Red Wings and and, and be able to have an opportunity to play a couple periods for us to now be evaluated and then you know they'll make decisions as they as they see fit but really good kid high work ethic and we'll see maybe maybe he you know the hockey world the small world we might see him in the future who knows with that said i'm going to try to pick up the pace here because there's so many places i want to go let's let's move to the forward core very very quickly obviously the guy that uh, we're all uh, if simon edvinson says he's a mountain of a man then you know he's a mountain of a man. And, uh, of course, I'm talking about uh, Elmer uh, Soderblom, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, you, you know, the, 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 the gigantic forward from the moment the Red Wings drafted him. Uh, he was a six-round pick in 2019. He has just ascended up the ranks and has just gotten better and better and better. For a man his size, Ben, how impressed are you 
with Elmer thus far? I, you know what, I hadn't seen Elmer in, in a few years just because all the, the COVID stuff and being a European player, staying over there and all that. Uh, he is His skating has improved tremendously. He's put on a lot of strong, uh, good, healthy weight. He looks uh, way more, I won't say he was uncoordinated before, but he looks like he's way more comfortable in, in his body and his size. And you could notice he, his puck protection was, was really good below the tops of circles. Uh, in the offensive zone, and he was driving the net. So, uh, again, with, with a big body, a rangy, with his range, both offensively and defensively, uh, and, and the fact that he can skate as well as he does, uh, it's, it's a very intriguing skill set. And how that translates and correlates to the, the NHL potentially, hopefully someday, is, uh, is going to be something you know, we're, we're, we're excited about. You know, how difficult is it for a, a man of his size to have such uh, tremendous, and I'm not overstating it, hand-eye coordination in front of the net? You know, I, I think people, you know, are constantly reminded about the two goals he scored, like, between from the back between his legs and in, in, in a world competition. I mean, that uh, that just seems to be a skill set that for a guy that is at least six, six foot eight, um um, it's really kind of unique, almost, isn't it? A hundred percent. I mean, you don't, first of all, you don't see a lot of guys that are six foot eight, six foot nine in hockey. <laughs> so, uh, and it's tough to it's tough to move that fluidly as a big man. So the fact that he does have that uh, that skill set is it's going to be interesting to see how how this plays out because when you are that big and you can protect pucks well. It, it's tough to get it off you. And if you have the puck, you probably can't get scored on. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, no, he, he, he's another kid that uh, is going to, it's going to be interesting how, how he adjusts to the, to the North American side, because as a bigger guy and you're protecting that puck, you're holding it. You have more space down low and around the outside of the rink, outside the dots. You have more time and space in North America. It is a little bit quicker. So you are going to hit the walls a little bit. You are going to get closed up a little bit quicker can he still use that size and range to protect the puck? That's going to be something that uh, we're going to hopefully continue to, to to focus on because if he can continue to, to do that the way he was, uh, he's going to be a heck of a player. Yeah, he certainly uh, uh, seems to be, and I hate the expression, but I, I will use it almost a diamond in the rough at this point because, as I said earlier, uh, for the moment the Red Wings drafted him, he has only gotten better, better, and better. Another player that was very impressive last year in the Prospects Tournament uh, uh, played only nine games for the Griffins last year, uh, but 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 seemed to uh, again definitely is intriguing player to say the very least is Kirill Tutayev. Uh, I, I would imagine that you're looking forward to seeing what uh, what Kirill can do this year, hopefully with a full season of the AHL under his belt. Well, again, Tutsi is another guy that came into camp last year. Development had a good development camp, good training camp. Came to Grand Rapids, started the year off pretty well he uh had three or four points in his first nine games uh, and then again got hurt so it was a, it was a season-ending injury uh but again toots is so endearing and he's a fun kid to be around he's he's got a good demeanor to him and he loves being around the rink he loves skating i can't tell you how many times you have toots really we're done we're good you don't we've been out here an hour and a half you don't need another like we're good <laughs> like you're like you need more we'll, we'll do it tomorrow and they say oh, I, I want more i want more so uh fantastic work ethic great kid uh and again you know with the the competition and depth you know where does he fit in he's he's gonna again have to no different than a guy like mckisaac who is injured like, you gotta get some traction get some games under your belt and compete and make sure you're staying in the lineup get games in a row do something to steal a job uh, looking now at a, another high draft pick, second rounder in the uh, 2020 draft, um, who I, I think has been really impressive and has made the most maybe of his opportunity too. Uh, I would imagine that uh, you know he's going to be a Griffin this year. Uh, is Cross Hannes? Uh, I, I, I again, this is a, a, a guy who seems to have a, 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 a pretty uh, pretty nice skill set. Yeah, I, I thought Cross did a good job this this past week or the last few days. Uh, you can t he's matured a lot, both physically and I think mentally. And you can tell not only on the ice with how he conduct himself with his play, but I think off the ice in the locker room, uh, 
uh, and on the bench. You can see he's uh, he, he seems to me to be uh, way further ahead in the maturity department uh, than I anticipated. So, mm-hmm. and that's not a knock on him. Maybe it's a maybe I shouldn't have. <laughs> he just he just seems way more mature than than your typical rookie coming in from the WHL. So uh, that that's great to that's great to see. And again, he's going to be a guy to challenge for uh, for a spot. Uh, impact spot in Grand Rapids. I mean, he had 26 goals. He had 86 points last year, 85 points or something like that in, uh, in Portland. And, you know, is that, you know, how is that going to translate? So, you know, I, from my understanding, uh, his, his defensive play has improved, uh, his 200 foot game. He, he's, that was his focus this year and obviously had great offensive numbers, but he was also, he was over plus 30. So, you know, he, we used him on the penalty kill in this tournament. That's something that we're going to hopefully, using him in Grand Rapids should he be in Grand Rapids and again he's got some offensive abilities where does he fit on the power play Uh, I want to kind of go off the board here and ask you about a couple of players that I know that you've coached before Uh, one of them has spent significant time in Detroit Uh, the other one uh, uh, set the Griffins rookie record last year for total points but let's begin with uh, Joe Valeno Uh, Joe Valeno is an interesting player I know the Red Wings always said, you know, we if you're playing for the AHL, we don't want you to be a very good player down there. We want you to be a dominant player. He did play a handful of games for the Griffins last year, uh, was very impressive down there, still making the transition. Uh, what can you tell us about Joe um, a, 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 as a player and as his coach? Well, I think that Joe has worked extremely hard to put – size and strength on his frame while not losing uh, any of his speed or, or his quickness. And Joe's, uh, like any young player, just has to make sure he's playing consistently uh, and, and being reliable away from the puck and playing hard. And you know that's offensively taking pucks to the hard areas. That's defensively, especially if you're playing center. It's hard to, it's hard to play center at the National Hockey League level as a rookie, uh, is to make sure you're ending plays quickly and you're reliable defensively and making sure that you're doing things the right way. And I think uh, with Joe, uh, to the, like he really has thrown in the fire last year um, and, and really, I think, showed progress, but I think he does have to take that next step. You know, am I a full-time NHL player? You know, let, let's, let's see it by playing harder, by playing heavier. And he's certainly shown the commitment and the willingness to, to put the time in. So I uh, haven't seen him all summer. I'm excited to see where he's coming back in the summer. And, uh, how things shake out for camp here. Right, yeah, no, certainly. Uh, you know, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I think uh, Joe, again, is one of the first to admit that uh, this is a pretty big camp for him. And uh, another player, yeah. very intriguing, when the Red Wings drafted him, uh, I, I, I do know that, and it's really kind of almost ironic, when uh, Valeno fell in his draft year to 30th for the Red Wings, uh, they, uh, uh, they had another player, uh, nabbed at that 30 spot that they were going to take that they ended up taking I believe at 33 uh, the next day and uh, uh, because Valeno was available and that's uh, Jonathan Bergren whom has had injury issues himself but is finally getting healthy I don't know Ben and you know I am certainly not a, uh, a hockey aficionado as far as a judge of talent but uh, you know, I, I don't know how much better he could have been considering last year was his first year in North America playing for the Griffins and setting the Griffin uh, uh, a record for points for a rookie. No, Jonathan, had a, he had a, a successful rookie year, to say the least. He finished second amongst all AHL rookies in, in points, and the record that you just mentioned within the Griffins organization, and they've had a lot of quality rookies come through the doors here. Uh Jonathan, again, he, he developed nicely, uh, but there's still that next step to take. And that's for Jonathan making sure that he's taking care of the puck and making sure he's not making high-risk plays uh, that are, aren't going to be there and making sure that he's getting inside the dots around that net. When he did that, you started to see a little bit more consistently. When he's consistently doing that, uh, he, he's, he's a heck of a player. And he does have a tremendous uh, skill set. He's got great hands good hockey sense and he's not the biggest guy but he he's rooted he's strong in his skates and when he uses his edges and protects a puck uh he's fun to watch so you know where does that put him in camp here you know we'll we'll see here i'm excited to see hopefully he had a great summer in the weight room and he's 
ready to come back. He's hungry and he's going to challenge for a job. Uh, and if he ends up in Grand Rapids, again, you just talked about a Joe Valeno. Come down there and prove that you're in the wrong league. Play yourself out of the league by doing it consistently every night, every shift. Right. I, I mean, you know, certainly I, I know that, uh, you know, Red Wing fans are, you know, look at it and they say, well, it looks like, you know, Detroit's goaltending might be stabilized now, especially if Kosa uh, lives up to expectations. And we're looking at, uh, uh, you know, and, and the blue line just seems to be stacked. They seem to have an abundance of uh, 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 potential Red Wings on the blue line. But when we look at the forward core, it's not that they don't have quality forwards, but they don't seem to have maybe goal scoring forwards or, you know, where's the goal scoring going to come from? Is Berggren one of those guys, although he has a great assist total, do you see uh, offensive potential? I, I guess, Ben, what I'm asking you to do, and this is probably impossible, do you see goal scores among the forward score, uh, uh, core, pardon me, uh, in, the, in the Red Wings talent pool? Well, I think there is some goal scoring for sure. And again, that comes back to, it's hard to score goals on the perimeter and it's hard to score goals if you're always looking to distribute and pass the puck. So, you know, you don't want to be a one trick pony, so to speak. You want to be a dual threat. You know, we, we talk about being net focused, you know, always thinking attack the net, looking at the net. So you're always a shot threat and you can always distribute the puck. But when you're playing inside the dots, you're getting around the net, your odds of scoring goals are increased significantly. So that's the consistency that we're talking about with some of these guys that are more that, you know, you, you, me, or other people may label them as more uh, playmakers, but right. there is upside for these guys. And you could see it last year with Bergie with the more, as a year progressed, his willingness to, to get to those areas and working on his shot and being more of a shot threat. And you could see that towards the end of the year with maybe it wasn't reflected in the number of goals that he scored, but just in the sheer number of chances he generated, uh, it was noticeable. Ben, I wanted to ask you, uh, just about the last couple of years, what you went through as a coach. Uh, you know, we've we've talked about the the COVID, uh, uh, you know, the the compressed schedule that you had to play a taxi squad, which uh, you know it, it seemed like during the COVID schedule, which was I don't know what twenty five games or something that the the Griffins ended up playing. That you were playing the Chicago Wolves every other day, uh, <laughs> but but uh, how has that, how taxing was that on you? And now that the Red Wings are going through a transitional period where, um, you're getting a team that is younger, maybe in Grand Rapids than that they've had in the past did not make the playoffs last year, but we're really right on the cusp. So, I mean, it, it came down to the wire. Uh, I, I'm just kind of curious, you know, how has this all affected you as a coach and you know how difficult has it been for you to constantly adjust on the fly even though being part of an AHL coach you do a lot of uh I'm not going to say fly adjusting because people might get the wrong uh, uh connotation totally there totally different yeah totally different uh, circumstance yeah yes exactly <laughs> exactly no, but you know our, I think that the, the 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 issues the last few years that have posed of you know every coach has had to deal with them and I think you know, that has helped me personally. Uh, I like to be as structured as possible. And I try to be as detail oriented, as prepared as possible. And sometimes over the last couple of years, when you thought everything, you had everything done, locked, prepared, all of a sudden things change. Someone pops positive for COVID, someone gets called up or they're injured. It's, it gets crazy. So it's taught me to be a little bit more uh, adaptable, kind of roll with the punches a little bit more uh, and being able to really really not get locked in your ways and set in your ways and it's helped me grow as a coach so you know the last couple of years it's been i think frustrating it's been, last year was tough just because of the 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 injuries that we had both in detroit and grand rapids uh which had an impact on our depth and it just we ran out of steam and it was uh it was a tough year but with that being said i thought that the players that we had you know our job is is first and foremost to develop these players and whether you're a a six-year pro or a first-year pro, you know, develop, get better. And I think that you saw that with some of our players, even if they weren't quote-unquote prospects or guys who were called up, the players that we had that were called up from the East Coast League undoubtedly got better. You know, we had guys like Dominic Shine had 17 goals. Right. He improved. Spezia set a career year in points. Uh, Hiroshi, Crisco got ample opportunity and, and played a ton of minutes, and they improved. Um, it, so it was uh, – it, it was – 
as much as we, it was disappointing to make the playoffs, you take a step back and, and guys did improve, guys did evolve. And this year, Detroit did go out and, you know, we signed a lot of depth players for competition in the main camp. And obviously everyone can't make Detroit. So there are going to be guys that are pushed down to Grand Rapids, which will give us significant depth. And we should have uh, way more firepower up front, way more uh, consistency on the back end. And our goaltending should be, uh, should be stronger than it was last year. And Victor Bratcher was part of that too, in terms of improving. Right. And we should be a better team next year because some of these young kids that you talk about, will we be younger for sure? But I think that uh, I think we did a really good job of adding some veteran players that could potentially be down in Grand Rapids. They're going to help these young players, hopefully, uh, and help the coaches help the younger players to show how they play, how they do things on a daily basis, be great pros, and develop as quickly as possible to become future NHL Red Wings. Well, you know, I mean, obviously, I, I, lo I love going to Grand Rapids. I've been there several times. I'm really uh, looking forward to it. As a matter of fact, well, you know, Andrew, the boss man, Kristoff, and I have already penciled in at least two or three trips during the season uh, to, to watch the Griffins. We're always treated very, very well that, down there by you and your staff, and uh, uh, it, it's an enjoyable experience. I want everybody to know that if, uh, you know, Red Wings are on a long road trip or, you you know, you want to change a pace, uh, uh, go to Grand Rapids. It's not very far from us uh, here in southeast Michigan at all. And, uh, you know, it is uh, high caliber hockey and you're going to see a, a lot of Red Wings of the future. Now, Ben, when Steve Eiserman made his coaching decision and changed and uh, Jeff Blaschel, whom we all admire and like a lot and wish him nothing but success with the Tampa Bay Lightning right now. Uh, but with that said, um, I asked Steve that question on the day where he uh, announced it uh, about, well, what about Grand Rapids? Uh, and he gave a glowing assessment of you and your staff. Uh, how important was that to get that vote of confidence? And when a major, you know, shakeup within the organization has just happened yet, uh, the guy who made the major shakeup, uh, good old Steve, uh, couldn't say enough nice things about the job that you're doing. Well, you always appreciate that. And obviously I respect the hell out of him and the job that he's done and the job that he's trying to do. And the, the guy that he brought in in Detroit, uh, Derek Lalonde, fantastic, genuine person. I think that the player is going to love him. Uh, and not to take anything away from Blash, I, I think the world of him as well. Um, but the fact that, you know, Steve recognized uh, the issues that we've faced the last little bit here in the last couple of years uh, and recognizes that there was valid improvement and there was development that did happen. Uh, and the younger players did play in significant situations, which is going to benefit them in the future. Uh, the, the fact that that was recognized, we appreciate that. And we, we work hard down here. And we pride ourselves on that. So, you know, we understand where the organization is, where the organization wants to go. And uh, we're just we're, we're happy to continue to be a part of it. And we're going to continue to to work as hard as we can to, to help Detroit get back to where they want to get. You know, now when, when, when camp begins on Thursday of this week and we're doing this on the uh, the 20th of September, uh, Tuesday, uh, the day after the prospects tournament concluded for the Red Wings. Um, is this going to be, even though you know Derek and your friends and, uh, you know, I, I guess he goes by the name Newsy, uh, but uh, I, it, will this be a, a bit of a learning experience for you to see how he, you know, because no one really knows. I mean, he's been a head coach before at various levels, but you really don't know what you have until he gets the, the keys to the car, as I like to say, and begins driving. And on Thursday, when the Red Wings hit the ice, he's driving. Uh, will there be a bit of a, uh, I guess, a uh, learning curve for you about how Lalone is going to run this Red Wing team in this organization from a coaching perspective? Well, I, I think anytime you when there's change, there's, there's always an adjustment period, but I've known, I've known Newsy for almost a dozen years now. We've got a lot of mutual friends. Uh, we've seen each other at, at coaches symposiums at coaches clinics. We've golfed together. Like I, I've known Derek for a very long time. Um, so, but with that being said, that that'll make that adjustment period a little bit more seamless. But uh, I mean, anytime you, he's got an entire new staff. So there, there is going to be that, you know, who's in charge of this. So there is going to be uh, that, that getting used to each other period, which is 
you know, another thing that training camp does, it's great that Rep and Traverse City for, for the first little bit, you get to know these coaches and develop relationships, you cultivate them and you, you, you look forward to, to working with them in the future. So uh, it, it will be fun, but uh, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. But again, that adjustment period, like Derek's been uh, in a, I mean, he's, he's had a great track record when you take it. I mean, he's coached in college hockey for an extremely long time. He's coached in the USHL, had success there. Uh, he was a head coach in Toledo, knocked it out of the park there. Then he went to Iowa, did a good job there. And then obviously in NHL experience in Tampa Bay, being a part of three Stanley Cup final teams, winning two Stanley Cups. I mean, that, that those unique, those are very different and very unique, but all very successful uh, situations. So, you know, I think I can learn a lot. You know, I'm coming in and, you know, Alex Tangay's there. Bobby Bugner's coming in again. Great backgrounds, great uh, experiences. You're going to, no different than that we tell the players, these young kids going to the main camp, ask questions, learn, listen, observe, take stuff away. And that, that's our goal as a staff is we're going to go in there and help support them at training camp. And we're going to learn and we're going to help them and, you know, share ideas. We're going to take ideas. We're going to hopefully come out of training camp, no different than the players. Uh, better coaches so we're looking forward to it. it's gonna it's a great time up here in Traverse City there's a lot of excitement it's the best part of the year and uh, we're looking forward to it yeah I mean I, I'm certainly uh, uh, looking forward to it as well now I know what goes on in the room stays in the room I I learned that many many years ago when I started traveling with the with with the Red Wing team and uh, you know that includes conversations between uh, you know, between coaches and management, but I, I, I'm kind of curious if how much interaction do you have with the Red Wing organization during the course of the season when they're either asking about a player and, you know, injury obviously, uh, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, forces the Red Wings to maybe dip down into uh, Grand Rapids when they really don't want to. They would rather have the player uh, develop in GR as opposed to coming up in Detroit and seeing maybe even limited ice time. But uh, are, are you, uh, you know, weekly calls with, with management or are you constantly um, – uh, in contact with, uh, with in this case, it would be Newsy and his staff. Or once the season starts, are you pretty focused in on what what, what GR has to do? Well, obviously, my my main priority once we get going here is Grand Rapids. But uh, I, I'm yet to work with Newsy. But uh, Blash, we we would talk almost daily. So, right, right. I figured. Uh, we see these kids. You know, if, if a season's 185 days, we see these kids 185 days. They might see them, maybe they're watching the game or a practice or they watch them one weekend. Uh, you know, they, they want to know how he's doing. Is he working hard in the weight room? Is he doing the right things in practice? Uh, did he just have an off night? Did, so there are a lot of things with that. And then uh, Sean Horkoff is our general manager. He took over for Pat Verbeek, who left for Anaheim. Uh, I talked to Sean. Uh, he's, he's my second wife at times. So I talked to him <laughs> during, the hockey, during the hockey season. I probably talked to him more than I talked to my wife. So... Uh, Sean has got his finger on, on the Griffins. Uh, he's got a great pulse. He's done a great job this summer of, of trying to improve our team. And uh, But, yeah, the, the communication, no, no different than any other relationship, any other organization or business facet. Communication is huge. And having those conversations, getting input, positive, negative, whether it's constructive criticism, you know, as a coach, what can we do better? We should have played him more. Or, hey, maybe try that. Like, we're open. Uh our, our first and foremost priority is to develop these guys, put these guys in the best situations to, to have success short-term and long-term. And that happens through communication and making sure that uh, everyone's on the same page. So uh, we have those conversations on a daily basis. So it's uh, it's not like we get a call once a month and, hey, how are things going? They know what's going on. And uh, it, it's great because it, it's, uh, it makes sure that everyone's on the same page. It creates accountability and uh, make sure that guys are earning their opportunities and, and we're doing things right every day. You know, I, I want to ask you this question. You know, Steve has really gone out of his way to say that he is he does not like to have guys, you know, bounce between Grand Rapids and Detroit. You know, he'd rather, if, if a guy is in, in Grand Rapids, he'd rather have them stay there the whole year, 
play in every situation and develop. From your perspective as a coach, and I know that there's always extenuating circumstances such as injury or, or you know, maybe the team needs a little bit of a shakeup and you, you, you're going to bring in some some guys from GR maybe to get the Red Wings going again if, if, if they happen to be in a slump or something. But uh, what I'm curious about, how reassuring is that from a coaching perspective that, you know, for the most part, the roster that you're going to start the season with it's pretty much going to be your roster throughout the, uh, the campaign. Well, again, a lot can happen Art, between now right. and the start of training camp and a lot can happen uh, from the start of the season to the end of the season. I mean, you look at Detroit last year when they had significant injuries right off the bat to Verona and then they lost Stevens, they lost Rowney, all of a sudden that changed and then right. you have to adapt. So you, you don't lock yourself into any one specific plan. You've got, obviously you've got, your your intentions you've got this grand scheme but things can change and you know that's how you have success is you have great depth you continue to to draft well you continue to develop well and when those opportunities are afforded you hope that the guys make the most of it and, and continue to to push the 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 pace and push other players to to, to improve and when you do that collectively healthy competition is going to help this organization. I think that this summer was huge for the Red Wings in, in how they did that. Right. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I really do. It's uh, it's really, really interesting to watch this. And then just one final question, Ben, because I, I do feel that all the Griffin fans that listen to this podcast, and there are many, uh, were probably saying, well, geez, come on, ask Ben something about this year's Griffins team. But And I know it's still in a transition period here, but uh, you know, at this point, address the uh, Griffins faithful here, Ben, what would you like to tell them about this upcoming year? You know, probably our, our biggest thing is we are hopefully going to be way more, uh, have, have way more depth. And again, the, the healthy competition is going to make us a, a better team. Uh, it, it's not lost upon us that we did not make playoffs last year. And that's, uh, you know, we're going to do our best and I'll let that happen again. We, we hope to have a great year, and uh, we're going to pride ourselves on, on working hard every game, being competitive like we always are, and uh, make sure we're, we're putting ourselves in the best position to have success. We're, we're lucky to have the resources that we do, and uh, we're looking forward to hopefully a great season. Well, Ben, uh, I truly appreciate this. Uh, you know, Ben and I go back a long way. Uh, and, uh, you know, anybody, you know, we're both Americans. He's a native Ohioan, uh, unfortunately, I guess, and uh, a graduate <laughs> Notre Dame hockey player. Uh, but making his name and his mark here in the great state of Michigan, I had to throw that in. Uh, but Ben Simon, I really do appreciate it. Uh, anybody who would talk to me on the 4th of July to do a podcast like we did a few several years ago now uh you know it, it is always uh at the top of my list and uh you uh always are always so accommodating when we're in, in grand rapids and uh you know and whenever i need you for the podcast i ask you and you're you're more than willing to accommodate me and thank you for putting up with me this has been uh uh you know the longest i've talked to a human being in over a week and uh you know ho hopefully uh you know this this covid thing is uh is completely out of me at this point. Uh, uh, but I thought I did pretty well. I mean, you know, critiquing myself. Uh, I, I wasn't my crazy self as usual, but uh, uh, getting through this is a, was a major accomplishment for me. <laughs> anyway, Ben, thank you very, very much. I really appreciate it. Best of luck. I'm looking forward to seeing you up in Traverse City and uh and in gr in, in the coming year and we'll have you on as soon as the, the grand rapids roster is set to start the season we'll do a griffins preview entirely i promise uh to uh, not only you but also to the uh the the many many great grand rapids griffins fans out there thanks again ben yeah i appreciate it i hope you feel better and we'll see you around a rig soon okay sounds good thank you